for our teaching and understanding on how we might um, press into this whole area. Um, came across this statistic the other day. Apparently, the, the, the Lord's Prayer, uh, depending on what version you have, I guess, and it will help if you've got um, Matthew 6 open in front of you, uh, is it, 52 words. Wonderfully succinct gift from Jesus in opening up this whole relationship, this vertical ventilation, if you like, our, our breathing and relationship, uh, our living with God. Um, by contrast to the 52 words of the Lord's Prayer, apparently the government regulations on the sale of cabbage runs to 26,901 words. So aren't you grateful that we've got someone like the Lord to teach us um, So let's pray that he does now. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, within the context of the gift of your spirit on Pentecost, we do thank you so much for your word. It is like bread to us. It feeds and nourishes us. And so we come, Lord, as, in a sense, hungry for you. We pray that we would meet you through your word and by your spirit. That you would feed, change, transform and empower us. For Jesus' sake. Amen. I want um, to look today at the pattern of the prayer that Jesus taught us. Which I, I hope to unpack in, uh, over the forthcoming Sundays in, in June, and we'll, we'll end our series at the end of June. And then um, in July, we're going to look at a, a, an attendant topic, really, that of idolatry, um, when we consider the topic of what we worship and give ourselves to. And the pattern that I want to take today is something that isn't in the earliest biblical manuscripts, but it, it, clearly it, it's in the early church manuscripts um, to this template that Jesus gave us And it's the line that we finish and sort of wrap the prayer up with. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever, amen. It seems to me that there's a pattern there that Jesus is wanting to press into our understanding on prayer and our relationship with him. Remember that the context to this pattern is inner reality set against outward appearance. Jesus is teaching, and do you remember that we looked at this at the start of Matthew 6? He's noticed the activity of the hypocrites. They love to parade their prayers, and Jesus is concerned with the inner activity of the heart. And it's that pattern that I want to look at now. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the power. First, the kingdom. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. The perspective and priority of our lives and our prayer lives centered around the fact that his kingdom come. Every now and then I um, have a meeting with some people who, are, who specialize in sorting out taxation and tax forms and so on for clergy. Um, Clergy are a, a, a law unto themselves. There are all sorts of anomalies and sort of pitfall, pit holes and so on that we can fall into. And I, I just can't be doing with it. So fortunately, I hire the services of these people. 
and they help me uh, over, over the year so that the inland revenue don't come knocking, unless it's good news. Um, and if I'm honest, I, I, my heart sinks. It's coming up, actually. The meeting in June is coming up. My heart sinks. I think of, of all the sort of bits and bits of paper that I've got to get ready. And my heart sinks with that meeting. But there is an aspect of that meeting which I love because there's another guy. As part of the package, you, you have a, um, a, an appointment, if you want it, with a financial advisor. And that's all part of the deal. And that's great news. I really like meeting the financial advisor because he, his job is basically to say, well, with the money that you've got here... If you put it here or invest it here or do this with it, it will grow and grow. And in five years' time or ten years' time, Reverend Stowell, you can begin to dream of your yacht moored in some Barbadian harbour. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Then the alarm clock rings and I, I wake up and <laughs> send the wife out to work. Um, but he's great. He's, he, this financial he, he's, thinking, he's saying, look, these are all the things you could do. You, you could invest a bit here, or you could do a bit this, or you could whatever it is. And I love that. I think, great. This is really exciting. And I wonder when uh, we come to this passage here, whether we have a slightly sort of negative feel, that, that, that verse 19, do not, and we think, oh, dear, another do not. But actually, the reality is, in, in verse 20, this is the core of what Jesus is wanting to teach us here in the context of prayer and prayer for the kingdom. Jesus is actually our... Um, uh, advisor, not necessarily financial. He's our life advisor, our eternity advisor. And he's saying, invest, invest. Store up treasure. But just be sure where it is that you're storing it. Don't store it here on earth. Because, well, look, verse 19, moth and rust will destroy it. And thieves will break in and steal Interesting, actually, the activity of moths. We, um, we had a little sort of sort out in the East End, as you, you'll have noticed, and there was a carpet behind the table. You won't probably have ever seen it unless you went back there. This blue carpet. And it was basically, it was infestated with moths. Um, and you wouldn't have known it was just this blue carpet. But as, I picked it up, and li- as, literally, as soon as I picked it up, it disintegrated in my hands. I, just, I literally held two clumps of blue carpet, and then there was just tatters everywhere. All we could do was to throw it out and, and hoover up the rest. I hadn't appreciated just how rotten the carpet was. I knew it was a bit sort of, you know, past its sell-by date. But the moth had really got in there and completely destroyed it, you know, beyond appearances. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't invest in things that are prone to that kind of destruction. Actually, everything here on earth, sooner or later, will pass away. So don't invest in something short-term. Invest in something long-term. Invest in something that will last forever. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Store up, invest in that kind of treasure. He goes on to teach about the eyes, verse 22 and 23. And again, subverts maybe our default understanding. We, we think, don't we, the eyes are the things that are located in us that look out and take in a great wide vista. But Jesus says, actually, you're to view them, he calls it the lamp of the body, that they are the things that, in a sense, feed what goes in. They're the portal, the entry point for what goes into your body. And and in that sense, give light or or not to the inside. So be careful what you focus your eye on. 
because it will impact the health of your heart. He's thinking, do you see, in the direction the other way. So as the eyes are the lamp of the body, so our hearts are impacted. And do you remember, he's, he's concerned about the inner reality. In the end of verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So make sure that you, you focus, as it were, the eyes of your heart on things that will last, on things that will build up, on things that will accumulate value. Don't invest in things that are short-term and bound for destruction. Don't focus on those things, or your body will be consumed. The heart, your life, will be consumed with things that ultimately, when we pick them up, are just destroyed. The perspective of the kingdom, the priority of the kingdom, yours is the kingdom, Jesus teaches us to pray. And so, verse 33 um, just on from where we had read to us, the top of page 919. In the context of worry, don't, don't worry, Jesus says. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The priority and the perspective of your kingdom, the kingdom of God. Set our hearts on lasting treasure. Store treasure for ourselves that is rooted and secured in heaven. C.T. Sud was famous for saying, he is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to keep what he cannot lose. Yours is the kingdom. Secondly, Yours is the power. Yours is the power. An acknowledgement of God's strength as we seek to live our lives. That's what we're praying for. His strength, his power, enabling and enlivening us in our lives today. When we pray, yours is the power, in effect what we're wanting to pray is, Lord, Align our lives so that we might most receive your energy and your power for daily living. It's a little bit like, um, imagine holding up a, a drinking straw into a prevailing wind. And if you were to hold it up, it's, it's, you know, it just gets blown and buffered around until you line up the straw in exactly the same direction that the wind is blowing. And then, instead of being buffeted and blown and sort of skipped off by the wind, actually the wind is blowing straight through the straw. And this tiny little paper straw is able to conduct enormous power through it. Yours is the power. So in a sense, Lord, I just want to line up my life so that your power is flowing through me. I remember we were on holiday once um, in, uh, a little while ago in, in, in Portugal, and we were walking just over a sort of sand dune towards a beach. And uh, we were, I hadn't realized it at the time, but we were completely sheltered from this, this incredibly strong prevailing wind. So we were walking in the lightest of breezes or even just still air. And as we just came over the, sort of the, the, the brow of the dune, we could see the sea. And in the sea, I saw a windsurfer just off his board um, with a sail uh, lying, lying across the water. And he was sort of propped over it. And I thought, well, he's not going to have too much joy. There's hardly any wind. But I was so wrong, I was sheltered from the wind that was out there. And I watched as he clambered onto his board, 
then pulled up the, 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 the boom, the main mast, and held on to the boom. And immediate, almost immediately, he was off, taken off and flying across the surface of the water. And it was around about the same time that we, as we walked over the dune, I came into the wind and felt it for myself. He'd connected with the power of the wind. And whereas I thought that was a futile exercise, actually, he was having the ride of his life. Yours is the power. The power that came at Pentecost. That's why we mark that and celebrate that today. So that Paul, in recognizing the power that birthed the early church, could say towards the end of chapter 3 of his letter to the Ephesians, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to my great speaking ability, Paul, or to my great leadership, no, according to his power at work in us. His power at work in us is able to do more than all we could ask or imagine. Just for a moment to think about that. Think about the things we ask for, just in our daily lives of one another. Think of the things we ask for when we dare to, and set enough time aside to, to, to God. The, the, the achings or the longings may not be brought to an articulation, but the achings and longings of our heart, perhaps as we watch the news or read the papers, and we go, or oh, why, or, or how, or who can work or solve or save this situation. And in a sense, that's the beginnings of a, of a longing directed to God. An implicit question. Or those idle moments. <laughs> when we imagine, I wonder if, what, what could happen in my place of work or in the community where I live? Just imagine if there were one or two more people, funds, opportunities, whatever it might be. And as you imagine, and Paul says to the Ephesians, he can do more than all of that, according to his power at work in us. He doesn't, he doesn't bypass us and just get on with running the universe without us. In his grace, he calls us to be part of that. And if we line up our lives like the straw, we can know his power that can do more than we could possibly imagine, more than we've ever asked. Pentecost when a band of disciples, 12 plus a few others, who were so shaken by their grief, so shocked and disoriented, so bewildered, frightened and scared that they, they were in an upper room and locked the door for fear of the Jews, had their lives transformed such that they, they turned the world upside down, or as one commentator has pointed out, maybe they turned the world the right side up. The early church was birthed and grew with an energy and a power and a dynamism the like of which has never been seen since yours is the power power to transform power to energize power to infuse and envision I've written about this for the newsletter next week and um, no doubt you will, you will hear about this but we had an extraordinary day as a PCC um, just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago now we met for a strategy morning 
And I want to be honest with you, I've said this to the PCC, that I, I, I'm ever so slightly wary of those kind of days, if only because I recognize the capability and talent that is the PCC. Uh, I think there were 10 of us in the room. Uh, let's suppose that these good and godly people each have five ideas. Then that's 50 ideas that go running out of that room in all sorts of directions. And the vicar's job can then, for the rest of the year, simply be like one of trying to herd cats in trying to sort of manage all of this. And, and I, I feel, on occasions like that, the temptation to manage and manipulate, to control. I, I, I confess this. And God, in his grace, I, he broke in, I believe, in such a real way that every single member of the PCC recognized it. He broke in and so united these diverse and different people that we were all of, literally of one mind over the importance for St. Dionysus at this time and in this place to renew our commitment to prayer. And as we began to sort of share and speak about this, and one person shared something, and another person said something, it, 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 it all contributed to an extraordinary sense that God is with us, empowering and enthusing us. And the fruit of that is, is this. As you've seen on the, on the screen, it's on the, um, on the service sheet. Uh, the, the, the box on the back. If you've got a service sheet, you'll just see the, uh, the middle right-hand box. It, it just, we, we couldn't help but lay on these um, opportunities for prayer from, from Thursday week, Thursday the 7th of June, for an hour in the morning. The kettle will be on, there'll be a toaster and a loaf of bread. If people want to catch a bit of breakfast on the way to the tube or to work, drop in. If you can do the whole hour, fantastic. If you can do five minutes, and we will pray for elements of the church. Sue Gayen and Alison Arbuthnot will, in a sense, host that meeting. Um, it'll be in the vestry and entrance through the vestry door. Or at 9.15 to 10 o'clock, after drop-off time, if you're a, a mum or a dad, a parent, um, uh, and you're available during the day, Carrie-Anne will be, again, hosting that prayer. At 12.30 to 1.30, Mark Younger or myself, we will be hosting prayer here in the church. Times of silence, one or two um, uh, maybe uh, reminders and a verse or two on the screen. And we'll lead some formal prayer as well. The point I'm trying to make is this. If I'd stood up and said, right, we're going to have three new prayer meetings. We're going to start them all on the same day, and we're going to do them you know, uh, on that day uh, from now on. Uh, any volunteers? There the probably would have been a sort of, uh, ooh, well, I'm... Uh, goodness, I mean, we're doing quite a lot already, Tim, aren't we? There's quite a lot going on. There's a fair on the green, and, you know, the autumn's coming up. And, uh, but you see, when, when God breaks in, when he begins to inspire by his spirit, he empowers Yours is the power. Yours is the energy. Yours is the life. I tell you, there's another little subgroup of that PCC that have begun to organize a prayer workshop for September. I can't stop them. Fortunately, I don't want to. On they go. Fantastic. But where does that energy, that release of life, that enthusiasm come from? Yours, Lord, is the power. Finally, yours is the glory. Yours the kingdom. Yours the power. Yours the glory, to live our lives on purpose. To be countercultural. To actually resist the temptation to store up treasures on earth. 
to resist the temptation to worry, and so to rob ourselves of life. Yours the glory, a declaration that the purpose of our lives is to live for him. We're not living here on earth to be remembered for whatever we might have achieved through our career. We're living here on earth in order that our characters may be developed to prepare us for eternity. We are residents and aliens, Peter writes, here on earth. This is our temporary home. That doesn't make it unimportant. We should work with God in creation. But it will pass and fade away. We're preparing ourselves for eternity. And all of that we do for God's glory. Paul writes, changed from glory into glory in order that with his life empowering us, as we seek to live in his kingdom here on earth, it might be so that he looks good. John Piper, who's written a wonderful book called Future Grace, and in it he says this, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him, in his kingdom, in his power, for his glory. When we pray that line at the end of the Lord's Prayer, it's a declaration of intent. It's a statement to the powers and principalities. Let me tell you, the devil doesn't like it when we pray that the kingdom and the power and the glory is God's. We, we, we sign up for the army. We're conscripted into battle. Because we're saying that there is no dynasty, there is no government, there is no army, there is no media empire, there is no multinational organization and corporation that can stand against the advance of his kingdom, which will last forever. Christians believe that God has revealed the future in Jesus Christ. We've seen the future and it belongs to him. And so we're to invest in that future now and to live our lives based on that. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to say more about the kingdom in the coming weeks. I want to talk about uh, petitionary prayer, about prayer for pardon. I think with Alan Bannister we're going to uh, have an opportunity to think about and, and an opportunity actually to pray for healing as a part of the forgiveness that Jesus invites us to pray. But all of that within the pattern of the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen.